0: from Romans 6 verses 1 to 14, Romans 6 verse 1, what shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin that grace may abound? By no means. How can we who died to sin still live in it? Do you not know that all of us who have been baptised into Christ Jesus were baptised into his death? We were buried therefore with him by baptism into death. This is the word of God.
1: Let's pray before we begin. Lord God, we thank you for our time together, worshipping and praising you for who you are. And now as we open up your word, I just pray that you would reveal yourself to us. Remind us afresh of the the sacrifice and the the, the privilege that it is to be called a, a child of God. The sacrifice that Jesus made on our behalf to, to set us free from sin and bring us into newness of life. Lord, I just pray that you would um, speak to us, each one of us, through your word and through the words that I say. I pray that you would speak through me and um, and bless this time now, in your name. Amen. Evening all. We are continuing our series through Romans, the, the Agents of Faith. And I'm looking forward to the end of the month when the next movie, the fifth and perhaps the last, who knows, um, the last the fifth Jason Bourne movie comes out. Uh, these, these movies have got everything that a guy loves. Uh, action, car chases, um, a number of things. Always good spy storylines as well. Um, so I'm looking forward to the end of the month when this one comes out. These movies focus around Jason Bourne and his involvement in the CIA, the the Central Intelligence Agency in the United States. The Central Intelligence Agency's main task is to collect information. Now, this information is, is called human information or human intelligence. They don't have anything to do with law enforcement as such, but they... They, certainly, the CIA has the ability to undertake covert operations on behalf of the president. Pretty cool, hey? Um, as I said, the, the CIA look after human intelligence. They, they use mathematical equations to, to collect information, millions of peop- pieces of information on a daily basis. And they call it human intelligence. Just like every good uh, government agency, they use uh, an acronym. They use H-U-M-I-N-T and, um, or HUMINT. They, they sound kind of tasty. They, they use mathematical equations to, to decipher this information, to collect this information and determine who is a threat to national security and, and basically what to do about it as well. So in our, in our passage tonight, Paul is using somewhat of a, a mathematical equation um, to, to explain that, that we are no longer slaves to sin and therefore we don't have to submit ourselves to sin. But before he gets into that, he, he gets into a, a, like a hypothetical question that someone might ask you one day. This, this question might come in the form of well if we're saved by grace if God is a, a loving and forgiving God then I can just continue on my merry way living however I like and I'll just ask him for forgiveness at the end there's been pl- plenty of people that, that sort of say that sort of thing um, down throughout the ages probably during Paul's time and since forevermore Friends, that's not the way forgiveness works. That's not the way God works. God works in a a transformational way rather than just a a token forgiveness kind of way. Paul emphasizes his reply and he, he really says, by no means with an exclamation mark. How can we who died to sin still live in it? Now, throughout our series in, in Romans, we've, we've seen that, that we are doomed in our sin, that everyone's destined um, or, or can't, can't basically save themselves. And I want to reiterate the fact that something that is dead cannot live. Think about a, a dead fish. All a dead fish can do is, is smell, can't it? Smell, not, not it itself. It, all it can do is stink. It can't swim, it can't eat, it can't blow bubbles. And so before coming to Christ, we were dead in our sin. I'm going to sort of illustrate this across the stage. We were dead in our sin before coming to Christ. Before placing our our trust and our, our faith in Jesus, we were dead in our sin. And a dead person cannot save themselves. So be, by being taken from dead to sin and alive in Christ through Christ's sacrifice, we have been bought, bought at a price. We have been brought at a price by the blood of Jesus and taken from dead in our sin to alive in Christ. And now, alive in Christ means dead to sin. It means sin is done away with. We've been taken from death to life in Jesus and death to sin. Does that make sense? Have a look at at verses 3 through 7 in chapter 6. Do you not know that all of us who have been baptised into Christ Jesus were baptised into his death? We were buried therefore with him by baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. For if we have been united with him in a death like his, we shall certainly be united with him in a resurrection like his. We know that our old self or our old man was crucified with him. That is the, the, the self of sinless, of sinfulness. It was crucified with him in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing so that we would no longer be enslaved to sin. For one who has died has been set free from sin. Can you see the symbolism there? That the illustration of being dead to sin because we have died with Christ. So being taken from dead in our sin to Christ's death and resurrection equals we are alive in Christ, we have newness of life, and now we are dead to sin. I want to, I want to focus in on the alive in Christ part of this. Dead to sin and alive in Christ Jesus, alive to God in Christ Jesus. verse twelve here 's the killer: Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body to make it obey you, make you obey its passions. So the opposite of being dead in sin is alive in Christ. We've been taken from death to life. Alive in Christ and dead to sin. So Paul answers this this hypothetical question with with not letting sin reign in your mortal bodies. Being dead to sin, completely dead to sin. Paul is basically saying, Stop it! Enough! Enough! don't sin anymore, don't do it, don't let sin reign in your mortal body. He's not saying look forward to heaven and the, the spiritual body that you have when you'll be sinless there. He's saying now. Be sinless now. Don't let sin reign over your life now. Easy, hey? Simple. Not so much. I'm still not in the right spot with my slides. It's not real easy. But that is what Paul is saying in black and white. He's saying, don't let sin reign in your mortal bodies. He's saying, it is possible to be sinless now. It is possible to be set free from sin. He's saying, don't let sin reign over you. Let Christ reign over you instead. Be alive in Christ. And he continues on in verse 13 and 14 and he he shows us a way of of being sinless. Verse 13, Do not present your members to sin as instruments for unrighteousness. Do not present your members, your, your body parts, your body... But present yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life and your members, your body, to God as instruments for righteousness. For sin will have no dominion over you since you are not under law but under grace. He uses somewhat of a a mathematical equation, a black and white equation to explain what happens when we become a follower of Christ Jesus. Now I'm in, in my right spot. Number one, the first thing that he, he reiterates is, is that we are baptised into Christ's death symbolically through the waters of baptism. We are raised out of the water, number two, raised out of the water symbolically in the same way as Jesus was raised out of the tomb. And number three, this causes us to be dead to sin and alive in Christ. I want to ask you, what's the answer to this question? Four plus five? Nine? You know it's nine. What if I feel that it's 12? I'd be wrong. But tonight I feel like the answer to four plus five is 12. Tomorrow morning I might feel like the answer to four plus five is seven. On on Tuesday next week I might feel like the answer to four plus five is thirteen. What I'm trying to get at here is that you know the answer is nine to four plus five. But sometimes we read the passage or, or read the Bible in a way that we interpret it through how we feel. Sometimes we can read something and, and see it there in black and white and then walk away and go, oh, but that's not how I feel. If we do this, we're not taking the Bible at its word. We're not taking the Bible as as God's word and we're reading it through our emotions rather than what it's really saying. You see, it, it is possible, according to Paul, that we can be sinless through Christ Jesus. Paul's not just saying that it's possible. He's saying that it's a must, that we should. He's saying, do it. Do not present yourselves to sin, but present yourselves to God. If it weren't humanly possible, would would the Apostle Paul, someone big in the church, would he ask us to do it? Would he ask us to even attempt it? If it weren't possible for the Israelites to keep the Ten Commandments, would God have given the Ten Commandments to them? Would he have given the Ten Commandments with with his fingers crossed behind his back, thinking, I know you're not going to be able to t- take it seriously i know you're not going to be able to keep them i don't know why i'm emotional <laughs> throughout reading the bible there are there are a number of times where where people give in to sin in in 1 corinthians chapter 10 verse 13 paul sort of Re, reissues his his statement and he says no temptation has overtaken you that is not common to man God is faithful and he will not let you be tempted beyond your ability but with the temptation he will also provide the way of escape that you may be able to endure it. you see temptation is not sin temptation is not sin it is the, the act of giving in to the temptation that is sin. And Paul repeats himself and says that we are able to withstand temptation and not sin. Not only are we able to withstand temptation, but God doesn't let Satan tempt us beyond what we can bear. And God always provides a way of escape. When the temptations come, when when we sin, we are the ones that give in to that temptation. We can't say that, that God's tempting me beyond what I can bear. We are the ones that give in to the temptation and we, we commit things that that God does not desire of us. And we don't take the way of escape. We can't blame anyone else for our sin. James chapter 1, verse 13 says, Let no one say when he is tempted, I am being tempted by God. For God cannot be tempted with evil, and he himself tempts no one. James says, goes on to say that when we are tempted, when we give in to sin, we are dragged away by our evil desires, enticed and dragged away. You see, when we give in to sin, and temptation, we, we see that thing as as more glorious than what God is to us. We see that particular, particular action as more pleasurable or or more desirable than God. And going back to Romans, Paul uses the example of, of the pain and the anguish that Christ endured on the cross of giving himself to bring us back into a right relationship with God. He says that that should be more appealing to you and the newness of life that has come from that than your sin. That should be more glorious to you, the fact that Christ gave himself for you, than anything this world can offer. I don't know if you're still sitting there and and thinking, yes, but I don't feel like this is true. I still don't feel like this is possible. There are three things that happen when we submit to Jesus Christ as our Lord and Saviour. Three things. One, we are made righteous in God's sight. Two, we become children of God. And three, we receive the Holy Spirit. Regardless of how you feel, these three things are true. Friends, we need to stop looking at the Bible through how we feel. And we also need to rely on Jesus and his spirit that he gives us as a gift. His spirit that he has placed within us. We need to rely on him... um, on a daily basis. Getting back to the central intelligence, the central intelligence is the Holy Spirit that is placed within us. We need to rely on Jesus and the Holy Spirit within us on a daily basis to refrain from sin. God's Spirit is placed within us in order to, to guide us into holiness, to push us into to holiness and righteousness more and more. And Paul is here writing to us to to say don't present yourselves to sin but present yourselves to God. You might think that it's easy for me to to stand up here and say all these things but I'm, I'm on a journey just as much as you are. Sometimes I don't feel Sinlessness is possible. But in Christ, all things are possible. I'm on a journey and I need to rely on the Holy Spirit day by day, just as much as you do. Each one of us need to rely on God's Holy Spirit that is placed within us as a gift, the central intelligence agency within us. Let's pray. Father we thank you for for the gift that you gave to usher in your kingdom the the gift of Jesus on the cross to to die once for all not so that the the sacrifice could be made again and again but but it was so perfect that it only had to happen once Lord I thank you for the the gift that is ours to become children of God to become children of God by your your precious grace Lord I just thank you for, for the way that Paul writes and, and he pushes us and, and encourages us more and more to be righteous to be holy Lord I pray that you would guide us in that pray that we would be mindful of the the situations and the the different times that we are tempted beyond our beyond what we think are our capabilities lord help us to take the way out help us to lean on you when we are tempted and and to pray to you help us to to rely on your holy spirit that is placed within us Lord, I pray these things in the name of Jesus. Amen. Thanks, Jenny.